everyone, and welcome back to yet again another episode of Women Talk Tech. Today, I'm joined by Katarinza, Head of Product and Engineering at Expatrio. We discuss all about her journey into tech and her main motivations for joining the industry. We then go on to expand on the topic of DNI, as I feel it's important to note DNI is more than just gender. We discuss why it's important to create an inclusive and balanced working environment. We also went on to discuss the notion of bias in the hiring process and what we can do about this and what we can do to avoid this. I hope you enjoy the conversation. So, Katarinza, tell me a little bit more about yourself. My name is Sasha. Uh, I'm originally from Poland, uh, currently head of product and engineering in Expatrio. Uh, also on the side, I'm a business angel and product consultant and product mentor. Nice, nice, nice. And of course, we'll go into more detail on the topic of DNI in the podcast. But I always like to start off by just looking at, okay, what do you see DNI as? You know, I think everyone's use it quite differently. Everyone has a difference of opinion. Um, but yeah, I guess for you, Kasia, what does DNI mean to you, and why would you say it's particularly important to you? To me, DNI means just being a human who sees other people and respects other opinions. So I wish it was a natural answer to everybody. I I am accepting other opinions, other views, other cultures, other backgrounds, and I value them. Uh, and I'm just fair to everybody. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I think fairness is really key. It's not about gender. Of course, a lot of the topic that we'll be covering is gender, <laughs> uh, but it's so much more than that. And I and I really hope people do see that you know DNI is more than just your gender or your age or your background. You know. Yes. So I think in many conversations when you are engaging about diversity and inclusion, and quite often uh, the abbreviation is actually DENI, uh, yeah. so diversity, equality, and inclusion. It's a lot about including females into working environments um, and it's really much more than that so uh, we are all coming from different backgrounds we have different backgrounds culturally uh, with religion uh, politically um, even the the weather conditions right so there is there is so many things which make you different it doesn't have to be only male female split um but I guess it's a it's a longer topic for today's conversations in any case. So we're going to get into the details and different views and different angles. Yeah, yeah, no, amazing. And, you know, let's kind of go back to the very beginning. You know, I'm always keen when I do speak with women in tech, I always like to, to learn a bit more about their journey and how they got to where they are today. Um, so, yeah, I guess from your side, Akasha, take us back to the beginning. Um, how did you get into tech? I think I, I went a bit backwards and I started not in a traditional way. I didn't I didn't study computer science. Uh, when I was 20, 21, people asked me, what do you want to do? I wasn't really sure what I want to do. I just knew I want to be in finance and technology. I was yeah. like trendsetter for fintech now. Um, and um, I wasn't sure exactly what I would like to do. And when everybody, when we were graduating and everybody was going in big force consulting companies for internships, I wasn't really sure what to do. So I got an internship in Germany. My my primary goal was actually to go to Malaysia, um, but they needed German language. So I decided to come to Germany and I found an internship in Credit Tech, which was a big data scoring company, even at some point in Unicorn. And I was um, quite... I would say brave because it was a very small company. I was employer number eight. And that's how I discovered the whole startup world, what's happening behind the scenes, how companies are revolutionizing um, 
back then credit industry. Um, and I had to be very, very hands-on. So we were teeny tiny company trying to do a lot like every startup now, but then it was a bit different <laughs> times. And I would get a request from my CTO. Can you please change these HTML emails? Or can you check that with SQL query? So I had to learn from one day to another HTML, SQL, and just went like that. And at some point, um, where, then I changed to another company. So a couple of people from the first company, they were founding the other company. And they took me with them and they said, what would you like to do in the new company? We are not going to launch Poland. So you're not going to be country manager for Poland. And I said, well, that's a great opportunity to actually become a product manager and work closely with engineers. So, and since, since then I'm there. So it was a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So yeah, your, your route wasn't traditional. And you know, I can really relate to being 21 and not too sure, not being too sure what you want to do. Um, I, I don't know how anyone decides at 16, 17, when they're going off to college or, you know, we call it sixth form, um, where their career is going. Cause it's crazy that you make such a big decision on what your degree will be based on what you think you want to do at 16 or 17. <laughs> Some people manage that and uh, it works very well for them. Some people, some of my friends, we are 33, 37. So we are in a yeah. over 30 range. And <laughs> I still have people who are changing their career. So I think it's okay. We change as humans. Uh, some people are lucky enough that they know from the age of five, I want to be a doctor or a lawyer. Um, for me, it was a bit of a coincidence and accident, but I landed uh, in a great place. I'm very happy that it happened that way. Yeah, yeah. And you're here now. And, and I think a lot of people, like you said, I think a lot of people now aren't scared to change their careers. They're happy to. They're, they're kind of OK to start again. And I think that's what I think a lot of people should be a bit more open to, because you never know what other industries you might get involved in just by starting again, quote unquote. Hmm. I actually have two friends of mine. They are opera, ex-opera singers and now they are front and back engineers. So it's possible. It's possible. The transitions are possible and that's high the limit. I love that. I love that. And, you know, what would you say were your main motivations for wanting to be in tech? Of course, you were probably exposed to it through your experience and your internship. But after being somewhat exposed to it, what was the main motivation to be in tech and to stay in tech for this long? Hmm. Maybe uh, it was also a bit of an inspiration from the CPO we had back then when when I saw how I am bringing the requirements and this person is digesting these requirements and <laughs> was a relatively new field back then. So it was really uh, just uh, using a bit of brain, like, okay, how can I make it simpler? There was no, uh, all the frameworks we have at the moment. Um, so I think it was a bit of an inspiration. Oh, so from this amount of information, you digest the most important information and you try to squeeze out something and give it to the engineer and produce in a short amount of time. So I think that's where I thought, oh, next time I want to be that person. I want to be the person who is gathering all the information on the company and with a relatively small amount of resources in an engineering department, resources not being my favorite word, but um, you can actually produce a lot of value to the customers. Um, so it was observing the other person and uh, deciding that's going to be me in the next role. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably quite key, right? Seeing a role model and seeing someone in the role which you want to be in, it allows you to kind of see yourself there, I'm sure. Yeah. And then you are in the position where you produce a lot of value for the organization yeah. and it's really on you and how you communicate with people and how you choose what, what you should do next. So 
um, it was maybe maybe not about the power, but using the data and use and analyzing and talking to the people uh, to understand. Okay, this is what we're going to do next with the engineering team. Yeah, no, amazing. And what would you say has been your biggest challenge about being a woman in the tech space? You know, looking back and even probably now to to this day, what would you say has been the biggest obstacle for you? I think it's exactly what you said. It's being a woman in the tech space. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I think being Eastern European woman in the tech space in Germany is, um, I think those are all relative obstacles when I think about it. I think I was lucky enough that I didn't have to fight for my position. Yeah. But I had situations where because I didn't have I didn't have engineering background, um, people would put a hand in front of my face. You are not a person. Um, or they would refer to me, oh Kasha came in, so I need to speak English now. Or um because it was a German space. So I think it was. I think it was a couple of occasions where it was not particularly nice. Um, it's ma- German fintech startup is in general male dominated, not necessarily yeah. the tech environment. And I think it was still an adjustment phase. So there is a woman, relatively young, right? So I was twenty something. I was twenty four when I was starting, um, talking about tech uh, and uh, tech results. Um, so I think it was relatively new to people, but yeah. somehow I am the trust and uh, I'm still there. So I didn't give up at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I guess there could be many other women also in, in the same situation as yourself, right? Where you've not come from a typical engineering background and you're having to talk about tech to people who probably have studied tech. How would you say, you mentioned that you gained the trust of them, you know, afterwards. How did you go about doing that? And, and how did you, yeah, how did you do that? So I started reading a lot. Yeah. Um, I got a lot of books that are just behind me. <laughs> um, I got a lot of books and I was reading a lot and I was asking a lot of questions. And I also told people who didn't treat me equally because I'm not a tech person. I would tell them, well, unless you explain to me, we are not going to have a meaningful conversation, right? Yeah. Those were peers. Those were not people who were superior to me or I wasn't superior to them. I was just genuinely interested in them explaining um, to me, the technical part of things. Um, and at some point, secretly, I went for computer science studies to have a better understanding. I was like, okay, I need to be sneaky about that. Um, my weekends are relatively free. Um, I'm going to surprise them. I'm not going to mention anything why I'm disappearing Friday evening, uh, Friday afternoon from work, and uh, what, am I, what am I doing on the weekends. Um, and I started studying computer science, so that was why every second weekend I was doing that. It really helped me a lot. I never graduated because at some point I learned that it structured all the information in my head. It didn't give me um, enormous amount of information that I didn't know. It was more yeah. structured what I do do know uh, and helped me to have a conversation. I learned vocabulary mostly, um, not the skills, but uh, yeah. then when I mentioned at some point I'm actually in a second year of a computer science, um, people thought, okay, you, she's actually serious about this, right? So she's making an effort. Maybe she won't be back an engineer, but she's making an effort. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's the power of yeah, I guess that's somewhat the power of communication, right? You might not be an absolute, you know, genius or expert in that aspect, but being able to communicate in the same language that, say, the tech world use, you probably came across like you, you'd studied it, you had a master's, you had a PhD, right? Just because you kind of knew how to communicate it. 
it's always about the communication to me. So if you tell the person, my goal is not to be a backend engineer, it's just to have enough understanding and you are going to be my expert. You are going to be my peer who is actually finding solutions and I'm going to be the person who brings you uh, the data so we can build a product. I think you can always find a way as long as you define the roles, a bit, maybe not in a super formal way, but roles and responsibilities in this context. Yeah, yeah. And what about your biggest achievement? Of course, I don't want this whole podcast to be doom and gloom all about the challenges. Uh, but I think really, <laughs> I think it's really important to shine a light on what you have done, your successes. So yeah, you know, what, what would you say has been your biggest achievement as a, as a woman in the tech space? Mm, a couple of days ago, my colleague was telling me that her uh, six-month-old baby is sitting up and I thought, oh, God, what is my achievement of the month? <laughs> like, it's been a while since since I sat up. Um, and I think I'm in general the person who is quite critical about herself, so I'm not really writing down all my achievements and celebrating them, which maybe we should more. Because yeah. as women, we tend to do that. It's never enough. Um, but uh, a couple of months ago, uh, a friend of mine, we were uh, working remotely and he said like, oh, so how is it to be a Eastern European woman in a German insurance tech space? It must be, you must be super proud of yourself. And then so the first time I thought, oh, I'm actually in a very German uh, environment in a tech space. I should be proud of it, right? I'm in a relatively high position within the company. And I think that was the first time I realized, okay, I actually achieved a lot. Um, so climbing this career ladder by hard work and being a VP product uh, in quite a quite successful startup, uh, it was definitely one of the achievements. And then I, I think I built my name. So I built like a brand around me that yeah. I had people who would recommend me. And I think... If people recommend you because they know they can count on you both professionally and personally, that you not only have skills, but also you have not only hard skills, but also soft skills, and people do want to work with you again, um, I think that's my my biggest achievement at that point, that uh, it's not one-time show, people do want to work with me and they want to come back. Um, and from other uh, achievements... Um, I was a product mentor in one of the product platforms and I have two mentees, they were fantastic women, and uh, they keep calling me until today uh, for advice. Even if, even if we're officially out of the program, we managed to build this connection and they do value my opinion. So I think if people, for example, in Australia, something is happening and they call you because they know they can count on you that this is going to be a good advice, um, I think it's a I think it's a fantastic achievement as well. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think I love what you said there about personal brand because I think, you know, we hear a lot about it and we hear the the kind of personal brand uh phrase being thrown about quite a lot, but you know, in your case and like many people's case, especially when you are say a minority in a, in in a field, having that personal brand and being known, you know, getting good referrals, I'm sure is was really important for your career. Yes. Yeah, amazing. And, you know, if you could go back um, to your younger self at the very beginning of your career, um, I love finding out what people would say, but would you, would you kind of do anything differently uh, in your career? What would you kind of tell uh, Kasia at um, 24, <laughs> starting her internship? 
I think I would go back a bit earlier even. Um, so I think when I was 18, 19, I was, I realized when people start choo- choosing their universities, I was the one who was a bit lost. And maybe I didn't use my time, especially around internships properly. Um, so I would go more into the, I was actually avoiding internships as much as I could. And I think if I went back, I would take as much opportunity, as much as possible opportunities to be in the internships in tech companies. So Google, Microsoft, I think back then, especially it was um, very different from any other company. And they were already quite, uh, and you could travel for to another country for the internship. And I would have done that instead of, uh, trying to avoid and chill as much as possible. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. maybe be a bit more ambitious. It's going to pay off. Yeah, yeah. I think internships are really important, especially in tech, because there are so many out there. But I think it does kind of give you a little bit of a, like a, a preview to what a career in tech could be like. And then, you know, before kind of dedicating an entire degree to it, you know what you're going to get yourself into. And I think it would have helped me at the early days in my tech career yeah <laughs> um because i would have a much better understanding and it would be a bit less embarrassing maybe because i would have had it from the from the past yeah yeah no so interesting and you know let, let's go into the topic of dni in more detail i know that we kind of briefly t- spoke about it at the very beginning about what dni means to you um but yeah i guess you know looking back at your career looking at your career now um how would you describe your your kind of relation to dni and kind of yeah why is it particularly important to you in your career now i think dni is equally important to everybody not only me uh now because it's always two-way street uh so i can be affected by the dni and my approach to dni and i can affect also the the company at that point um i think first of all um, we shouldn't aim for DNI for sake of having a DNI in the company, right? Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not gonna become the most popular person saying that, but uh, companies don't make money just because they have diverse teams. Um, so first, I think you need to understand what what is your business and what you're trying to achieve. Um, and I've seen companies, their goal is to have 50% of management team females. Uh, so that's the main goal of the company. You should have the best people to the job and yeah. evaluate them by the best, by the best skills. And that's how you are going to make the, the money. Um, and that's how you're going to make a business. The very diverse teams, uh, so the whole uh, diversity, equality, inclusion topic is very important when you're hiring. Once you know already what you're trying to achieve as a business, and then you're trying to hire people, you already know what kind of people you are looking for. And it doesn't have to be necessarily, um, okay, now we need to hire 50% of females. So these three positions, they have to be females because you may actually hire someone who is not right for the job just, yeah, because, yeah. You, just because you need a female, right? Yeah. Try to find who is the best for the job. Um, and try to understand what kind of skills you need and what kind of background of this person you need in terms of professional background. Um, and diversity inclusion is going to come naturally um we had it in one company um that we so i was working in berlin but it was a polish company so i was coming i was going a lot to poland and i was a team lead and we had 
me and three girls. Um, and three, so it was four product people. It was three girls and eight or 10 male engineers. And they made a comment, oh, I wonder when they're going to fight. So what's, what's going to be the first time when they are fighting? Um, on paper, it was perfect example of a quite well achieved diversity in the company because we had 30% of females who we were all Polish. Um, so it was... Uh, naturally not very good example of the um, of the diversity and inclusion although on the paper quite high ratio of females and we made very similar mistake in another company we had seven or eight eastern european females suddenly because we were so focused on let's hire a female uh, let's increase female ratio mm. so i think it's very important for me as a hiring manager in multiple companies to really understand what people do I need, what kind of skill set do I need, and then try to filter people by the skills, not by gender, color, religion. Um, so it's um, yeah, it's a bit tricky. Um, there is a data that shows that companies which are diverse, they are much more successful. Uh, we had we had this topic actually with one of the startups I was supporting, a part of the management team. There was one person who didn't really understand the topic of diversity and inclusion and why it's important. Um, so we had a presentation about how teams that are diverse achieve the best results. And the most successful startups, the most successful companies, they are actually very diverse companies. Um, so it is important um, to bring people with different views, with different backgrounds, because they they pay attention to different things, they pay attention yeah. to different details. So it's very, very important to have this, uh, especially if you want to have a product that sells internationally, you should have also opinions internally of all the people who are from different cultures and different backgrounds. Um, but it has to come uh, relatively naturally to the to the hiring process. Yeah, no, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, there's, there's, I mean, we have seen so many studies about diverse teams being more successful. And yes, that may be true. But I think you're so right. It's so much more than gender. Because I think, you know, me and you, um, we, we both have different backgrounds, right? We both have different ethnicities. We're both female. So technically, you know, we're diverse in itself. But we'll still look at different situations very differently based on our culture and based on our upbringing. And that's what diversity really is. It's not about our gender. Yes, that's important. But it's about everything else that goes into what decisions are made and uh, maybe to add on that uh, at some point in one of the companies we had like an integration game um so i think let's say it was six of us one person uh, five eastern europeans and one german i think and we were mix of ukrainian russian polish people um, and the, the goal was to show on Google Maps where where were you raised, so what was the, your childhood home, what was your school, and what's your favorite vacation. And I promise you when the fifth person from the Eastern European block was showing uh, the house, the, the, the block apartment block, the school, everything looked exactly the same. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's very opposite of diversity and inclusion, although on paper... Again, we were from different countries, different languages, um, uh, a bit of a di different history. So I think we need to go a bit more wider geographically, um, culturally, yeah, uh, 
the language part is also quite interesting and important. Um, you also think a bit different in different languages. There is also studies that show that. Uh, so I think we need to we need to expand significantly. Yeah, yeah. And I guess one thing that I've been learning about through the podcast and just in general, I know that, you know, having a, a diverse hiring uh, interview process is helpful. Uh, but also when those people join the team, you have to be able to retain them. And that, of course, uh, relates to having a balanced working environment. Um, so I guess in your experience and in your role, how would you how would you say is the best way to create a, a a, a balanced environment whereby um, everyone from different cultures feel welcomed and they are able to succeed? So I think it, um, it comes again a bit earlier, right? Um, like I mentioned before, you need to understand why you are hiring certain people and what are the skills that you need. Um, once you agreed on that, then the whole recruiting process kicks in. Uh, and like you mentioned, uh, across the whole interview process, you need to understand what kind of skills you need and you need to be open to uh, to the diversity and having different people. Um, and once they come in, they need to feel welcome. But yeah. you cannot uh, magically fix it. Oh, the, the person is coming uh, on the 1st of August. Uh, let's create a diverse environment. Yeah. Let's be inclusive <laughs> because uh, we need to retain them. So let's pretend for six months. You cannot do that. That's the culture, right? That's the part that you are working on for a very long time. Um, so you need to train a muscle before. Um, management team needs to sit down and need to, they need to agree. Okay, this is, our, this is our business goals. This is the people we want to have. This is our values um this is going to be our hiring process and the people we would like to have in a team because the fish smells from the head right so yeah the, the management team is not aligned and i've seen that that they just don't understand why they want to they want to have certain people or why diversity is important um they're going to disagree um and it's very difficult to propagate this culture to the rest of the company and to have a very good understanding why you need different people. But I also think it depends a bit on the product itself. Yeah, that's true. So I was working in a German-based startups that have to comply with German regulations. It's very difficult to, um, to achieve the same level of diversity because you know you need certain skills and those are going to be German people, right? So... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you also shouldn't try to impose it and make it a very, very fake hiring process. Um, and just to try to hire uh, people of a certain background for a sake of having diversity. At the same time, I'm working in a company now which is naturally very diverse um, because you have operation team which is very big and it's supporting very, very different markets. So naturally, you're going to have people from those markets who come from those markets who speak those languages because you want to support your customers. So it's coming, for some companies, it's coming much more naturally than for the others. Um, and people also create a culture, right? So once yeah. you have people who are very open to having different, uh, different environments and they learn the value of different opinions, they can go to workshops and they can listen to each other. Um, they feel welcome, they understand what are the why they were hired. Uh, I know people who know they were hired because they are females. <laughs> and, and you know that that in itself is not good. You don't want females to feel they've just been hired because they're they're, they're a female. 
and then they have development paths um, that they need to be in a C-level position within the next two years because they need uh, females in high positions. You're not going to retain people like that. Um, or you know, you know, you need people of color to have on a, a management picture <laughs> in couple of like you shouldn't you shouldn't do it very artificially. Um, so make those decisions and agree on your hiring and recruiting standards beforehand on the culture, on the higher culture, on the culture internally, what kind of people you want, why you want to value. Make it one of your principles. Make it one of your values. That, Everybody feel everybody should feel open to talk, um, express their opinions, um, and then they are gonna people are gonna feel welcome. But it's also a lot about the onboarding process and how you structure onboarding process. I am sort of a freak of onboarding processes. I really like <laughs> to prepare very very good and welcoming onboarding processes for people. Um, and uh, it's not only about being uh, nice and polite, but also explaining people, okay, this is the, th- those are going to be your responsibilities. Those are the resources that you need. This is the information and uh, onboarding them uh, solely, but truly creating the plan for the first 30, 60, 90 days. Yeah, no, amazing. Yeah, no, you're so true. And, and I think the onboarding is really important because I think onboarding is the first, I guess, um, insight or the first, connection that a person would get to your company before they've even kind of of course they've started right but it's the first initial impression and I think if you get the onboarding right then of course they're more likely to kind of stay for longer but I think if you not if you mess up but if you don't get that onboarding right in the very beginning that that impression has already been built from that very first day you know yes that's uh, uh and that's quite often misunderstood I had a situation that I was interviewing with the company I, I want to say nine months. So I think we started in November. I joined 15th of September and they didn't have a laptop for me. And I'm like, am I at such a big surprise? <laughs> it's been nine months. Uh, you knew you were hiring this position. So I think these first impressions are very, very crucial. Um, and especially when you have people of uh, different backgrounds and different languages, you really want to make sure that everybody speaks English in an environment. Especially now when you have remote work, you want to make sure yeah. that you connect at a certain time or they come this one day to the office when the new person is joining. So there is a lot that can be done that make people feel welcome. Um, and I don't think it should be only um, in order to embrace diversity inclusion. Uh, it should be for all the people. That's yeah. Quality. Uh, you should have very good onboarding processes for everybody. Um, making sure that they understand their, uh, what, they, what, what they were hired for and what are their first tasks in the first days, in the first months, um, so they can perform very well um, and contribute to, the, contribute to the business. Yeah, no, definitely. And of course, you mentioned quite a lot there about languages, about culture. And of course, you've actually got experience moving from Poland to, to Germany. So you actually know the, I guess, the difference in culture and how that can affect um how that can affect your experience i guess on the notion of dni um how do you think uh, companies can manage the different cultures better because we've seen it right i've seen it time and time before where people move to germany and it's german speaking and their english speaking is not there yet so people don't really feel very welcome so there's so much that goes into it but what do you think companies can do better when it comes to welcoming people from different cultures 
Mm -hmm. In one of the startups, um, I'm a business angel in, there is a big sign when you enter the door, we speak English, just to indicate to people before they come in, let's speak English, let's be welcoming. I think in general, we should forget about this notion of country plus nationality plus yeah. plus religion, this combination. I come from Poland. Poland is, I think, after Japan, the most homogenic country in the world. So we are all blonde, blue-eyed um, Christians. Uh, literally, everybody is the same. I love that. It's like the, the least diverse country. So I think for us, for a very long time, uh, whenever we had someone coming from abroad and it was an Asian person, we were so excited to see someone different because we were all the same. Um, and I think now it's changing so much. Yeah. Um, for every, even for Poland, when I go back to Poland, there's so many people of different uh, tastes and flavors. It's wonderful to see those people. Um, I think English is becoming our main language here in Germany as well. Uh, even, um, I think it's fantastic for English native speakers. It's very funny for all of us uh, because... <laughs> We do communicate in English. Suddenly, there is no other languages. I think it's really wonderful that everybody knows as a default you communicate in English. And I think we should embrace it also in the in our companies. And I think we should stop thinking about the nationality. Uh, so I'm Polish from Poland. No, I'm a I'm a person who lives in Germany, right? There is no different. There is gonna be so many. There is gonna be so many different cultures based on our activities, based on our interests rather than I'm a Polish from Poland. Um, I don't hang out with any Polish people. My 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 um, circle of friends is very diverse. Uh, my teams are very diverse. Um, and I think we should cultivate that uh, and do not focus so much on the countries, but on the maybe some business context within work uh, or some personal interests. Uh, and that's going to help that's going to help us so much to break down the, the walls yeah. between different cultures in the old concept. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Oh, amazing. Well, no, honestly, um, thank you so much, Cash, for joining me. I think, honestly, that's such a... It's so insightful just to kind of hear what I know and what I think, but just from someone else as well. Because I think, like I said, we get so caught up in the female and male ratio that we tend to forget all the other aspects of diversity. So yeah, it's so interesting to hear from your point of view and how your career has been that, you know, it is, it is so important. Thank you so much for having me. I also wanted to voice uh, my opinion around diversity and inclusion because I've heard so much about female ratios. Uh, so thank you so, so much for allowing me and for giving the space. And I hope to continue our conversations.